Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? <coughs> Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. <laughs> Have we answered any of the questions in the beginning of that thing yet? Um, Have we like nailed anything down? Mm, that's a good question. Let's think here. Could anarchy actually work? We definitely talked about that yeah, in the early, a, a lot, lot in, the, in the early days. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not so much recently. That's funny you bring that up because that sort of relates to a question I was going to ask you today. Yeah. But I don't want to start with that question. Okay. We'll push it on down the road. I want to start with how beautiful your hair looks, Kyle. <laughs> it's looking good. The last couple of days it's looked pretty good. It's getting long. Yeah. It's Kyle. getting... You remind me more of the Anglo-Viking type of a character that uh, you're supposed to be reading about and talking to us about. So let's start there. Have you read the books, Kyle? I haven't. I have not. But I did go see The Northman, so that counts for something. Oh, I am curious about that. It was a good movie. The trailer um, looks good. Yeah. Uh, I, I I looked like I could have been like a, like if there was a random fat guy in the village, that like a be fat you. Viking, <laughs> that could have been me for sure. I could, they could have cast me. There must be, there must have been a guy with a glandular problem in like the Viking era. You well, know, I'm, sh- I'm sure there were kings and stuff who had like plenty of access to food and who were and you know have slaves and stuff, so they're not doing too much. No, I'm sure you're right about that, but that's not as funny as the as the poor yeah, as, yeah, as the true. poor guy living out in the in the uh, hut village yeah. you know but he's like the only fat guy everyone's starving but he's got a glandular problem yeah. you know he's just the one fat guy steve is his name there's a know? guy in the game of thrones books uh his name is strong bellwas and he's a eunuch actually so mm. they chopped off his uh his uh, not his berries not his wiener right just isn't just as, i think in the game of thrones book it is all the of whole it. thing yeah. oh jesus mm. yeah can you imagine so, uh, but he's, he's, uh, like a, a warrior, a badass, uh, and he's a big fat guy, uh, but that's a book. So, you know, you know, you, you kind of imagine that that might happen though. Like if you, if you aren't getting the testosterone, first of all, it's hard to imagine that you would be uh, big, at least definitely that you would be muscular, you know, if you didn't have the, the benefit of testosterone during your, your, you would think that yeah. I, I agree with you. I, that's, I, you know the unsullied actually made it into Game of Thrones. Strong Bellwas is just in the books, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's like the the unsullied are such badass warriors, but they don't have any testosterone and never have, you know, since boyhood. It doesn't make any sense to me either. I just realized I was chewing gum on the podcast. It's I didn't. Probably not a great idea. Spit it out. So probably not a great idea. <laughs> I do have one um, of these? So hold on. But the Northman was yes. So yeah, have you seen any of? Robert Eggers' other movies? Um, I hate when you when you ask me questions like that because I feel like I should know who Robert Eggers is. And maybe I do. And I, maybe I already do. So why don't you help me to He did link The it up. Witch. I, you need to watch that movie. I can't remember you, if I watched so it. It's so good. Yeah, okay. It's, um, it's a horror movie. 
It's uh, about this family that moved over from England, and they're living in like a 15, uh, 1500s, you know, small society in North America. Yeah. Uh, and the father is, um, he's got some religious, he's still, he, he still considers himself a Christian, but he's got some kind of, you know, um, doctrinal difference between the community, then they kick him out. They mm. kick him and his family out, so they move into the wood, into the wilderness, oh, basically. Shit. yeah. And they come upon a, a witch who lives out in the woods, you know? And it's just a really creepy-ass movie. Oh, that man. sounds amazing. It's great. Dude, it's, they, it's maybe one of the best movies I've ever seen. Just already the, arch, the archetypal images of, that you just painted for me? God damn. Man, man, they go into the dark forest, which mm -hmm. represents the unconscious. And there they find the witch, and she's like the, the anima projection. You know, the, the, every, she's like the woman that represents all the mystery and magic of the world. She's a witch. Exactly right, man. All that, all that imagery is amazing. Yeah, man. I love that. And Robert Eggers is also... Um, a dork, you know, he like a lot of the stuff. It, it, maybe it's not one hundred percent historically accurate because he's trying to tell an exciting story, but a lot of it is. Like you're not gonna find some kind of technology or something that's misplaced or you know. Oh, one of those. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's just really good, really good. Then the other one he did was the Lighthouse, which was Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. Also, well, that's what you and Matt were talking about. Very weird, creep, but very good. Oh man. Yeah. I think I'm missing out. I got to get in on this. And um, the Northman was in the same vein. I mean, I, I think that the movie was probably disappointing to a lot of like uh, Viking bros. Yeah. You know, people like, that wanted it to be an action movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, just berserkers eating blood. Yeah. I mean, they had berserkers, but this is what I mean about Robert Eggers being a dork and like really doing things how they were. Is that um, he? Uh, what was I saying? How Robert Edgars did Edgers Oh, yeah, did yeah. The so there are berserkers in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you should just see it, man. Okay. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a, a ritual. Like, they before the battle, they're all standing around the, this fire. It's dark. They're wearing these, like, bear cloaks and Fuck wolf yeah. cloaks. And they're just, like, screaming and, you know, getting themselves worked up. to, to Like, I mean... A, a berserker is not just like a, a guy who's always like that, you know. Right, like yeah, he's yeah. got to work himself up into a, basically like a, a trance of violence. Yes, um, dude, and it's I, good, dude. The way you just said that's it's exactly right, man. Yep. There's, I really am enjoying learning the psychology uh, from Jung. I, I, so I'm sorry, I just keep bringing it back no, up. That's good, man. But this idea of you know, we talked about the integrating the shadow when we had Matt on. We, we were talking about the Moon Knight and uh, the Disney's Moon Knight and how that op oh, yeah, opening right. scene from the first episode. And that's and that's what you're describing. It's like there's so many um, ecstatic rituals that that tribal people do that are like that. There, but I can't think of any that are specifically f for war. You know, usually they have to do with working yourself up into a trance so that you have a sort of mystic experience or an altered state of consciousness for religious reasons. But then you think about deities like uh, the, like the various gods of war, you know, like, uh, what, what is it, Mars, the, the Roman Mars? Yep. Um, you think about deities like that, they existed too. And, you know, if you can imagine you were, you were worshiping a god like that, for, for a particular reason, right? You go to the God of war because you need to become the God of war because mm -hmm. you need to use that. You need to harness that, 
that supernatural that force within yourself. Exactly. Yeah. You got you got to summon that demon, right? And that's what they're doing. And they're becoming possessed by the spirit, that spirit. Mm-hmm. And you can call it the God Mars if you want, or you can call it the Jungian shadow from, from within. Either way, it's fucking rad. I don't understand it. It's mystical, but it's that imagery is so cool to me. Yeah. God damn. Yep. So you'll like that scene. Um, and you were are, talking. Are there psychedelics involved? In yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just that's yeah. what I was getting into. If you you were talking about you know altered states of consciousness, the whole. I mean, it's almost like that's kind of what the whole movie's about. I mean, so basically, mm. what it is, it's Lion King, it's Hamlet. There's a prince. His father's the king, obviously, um, and his uncle kills his father, and he he's trying scar. to get revenge. Exactly, God it's damn Lion scar, King. Scar, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a. a a psychedelic trip scene and that kind of shows the main character some things that are coming you oh, know shit. Um, and then the rest of the movie is just kind of about how like um, what's the word I'm looking for like seeking vengeance will like fuck you up you know mm, absolutely it's at, what, at what point does Simba look into his reflection and see his father does that happen in the movie he there's no reflection, but yeah, that does happen. Oh shit! Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So revenge is a son of a bitch, and uh, it just reminds me of some Jordan Peterson shit where he talks about how these uh, a- these ancient people had um, laws, uh, and it was important for them to have laws governing revenge because if you don't have some pressure like really powerful social pressure to not get revenge. People, when they get wronged, they want fucking revenge. And there's, and once you start that, it's a cycle that there's no end to. When you, when you start at the tit for tat, the back and forth, it becomes, you stub my toe, I stub yours. You know, you, you, uh, up the ante and you injure me. I'm going to injure you. If I kill somebody, you're going to come turn around and kill me until we're all dead. That's how revenge works. No one's happy until you're all dead. Hatfields and McCoys. Exactly. So, so he talks about uh, Jordan Peterson talks about like the like the Jewish law and uh, just you know way, ways in which they built that into religious obligation that you have to that you forgive or that you that you set some limits to that because if you don't you, there's no there's no civilization you know that doesn't happen we just all kill each other yeah I heard that podcast series um, that Daryl Cooper did on. The Israel-Palestine conflict. It's like a, I think it's a five-part series. One of them is kind of all about the culture over there and how that plays a role in it. And a lot of it is that it's like, if you wrong me, I mean, there's like vendettas between people, you know? Yeah. And oh, it's yeah. just, there's no, there's no, really nobody there. And I mean, you, you'd think that they're all strict Muslims. So you'd think there'd be something in uh, Islam about that, but... I don't know. There probably is because I mean, there's <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in Islam about being peaceful, and I mean, they don't exactly have that reputation. No, they do not. Yeah, not putting that on all Muslims. <clears throat> I've known I've known a bunch of Muslims in my life, uh, and I mean, they're all awesome. So, <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Um, what just came to my mind is the show Homeland. Not all of them are awesome, actually. I, I knew some were, who were pricks, but I know I know people from every race who are pricks. So there you go. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Homeland. Homeland. We've been, so we've been rewatching that, and um, when I watched I never it, watched that. 
like that first season was pretty good, especially yeah. when it. I heard that when it aired, like the, the time when it aired, it was much closer to when the, all this shit was super relevant. Sure, uh, but in any case, um, I didn't watch all of it in, originally, but I watched like the first couple seasons, and then I, after years and years later, I w- went back to the beginning, and now I'm watching further in than I ever got before. Okay, and there's a season uh, that I'm on; it's like midway through or whatever, where the villain, his name is Hakani. Uh, the villain is an Arab dude, obviously. And when I saw him, I thought, did they did they give him a fake nose? Oh, yeah? I'm like, this because the, the dude looks Arab, the actor. And maybe they just did really good with makeup, and I have to look this up. It, but it does look good. But the point is, I am not convinced that they didn't putty this motherfucker a bigger nose. <laughs> and I thought to myself, if they used a white dude and they puttied up his nose to make him look like an Arab... That would not fly today. That shit would not fly sure, today. Yeah. Even if he was an Arab guy, and they're like, you don't look Arab enough, sir. Let me put a little more putty on your nose. That shit would probably be even worse. You know? Yeah, I can see that. It couldn't happen today, I don't think. So, it's like you cast a black person. You're like, let's just pump up your lips a little <laughs> yeah. bit. They'd be like, what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's got a cartoonishly big nose, Hakani. Um if I'm wrong about it and that's just the size of his nose, then I become the You didn't the look asshole. up the actor? No, I didn't think about it. I'm gonna look it up yeah, right look now. Look it up right now. Hakani Homeland. Hakani Homeland. Actor. That's the guy's name? Hakani Homeland. <laughs> Esquire. How do you spell Hakani? I, I'll just I, I, yeah, I would, you know, Google is pretty good about letting you know when you're when you're dumb and you type something in wrong. I don't use Google. Well um, That's the, that's like one thing about Google. A lot of their like built-in features are way better yeah. than the competition, but I still just don't use it because if I really need like assistance with something, I'll use Google. But for the most part, I don't use it. You get? Um, do you have our answer yet, man? You're too ha- busy talking to me. Hi, Sam Hakani. Yeah, that's the one. TV Wiki fandom. Here we go, guys. It is. This is this is showing me a picture of him as the character. Do you see though. his big old nose? He's got a big old nose. Schnaz on him. Now is Let's he? See. But is he a white dude or is he an Arab dude? I mean, the actor. I don't know yet. I'm find out. To That's what we that out. find out, man. Come on. Where does it say who he's played by? You gotta be shitting me here. Mm, unbelievable, Jamie. Jamie. Wait a minute. Is this him? Yes, that's that's okay. the, yeah, yep, that's the guy, man. Because there's another guy named Jalal Hakani. No, on that, that show. yeah, he's okay. probably got family. Yeah, he's probably got family. Oh, it's the kid. This is his nephew, I think. Played by Newman Akar. Okay, okay. now let me look up Newman. Yeah, Akar. see how his nose looks when he's just smiling on IMDb. Newman Akar. It's a cool name. It Tur- is pretty, yeah. He's a Turkish actor. Oh, Turkish. Oh, yeah, he's got a big old nose. He does. That's, yeah, his, that's yeah. his real... Oh, that makes me the asshole. Ah, oh, shit. No, I mean, you know. I thought they I thought they Arabed up the guy's nose, but he, that's, he, he's just an Arab dude with a big nose. Yeah, okay, yeah. And he is actually a handsome dude. It's funny you, you bring this up, because yesterday while I was driving, me and Chelsea were in the car, and I looked over and I saw a dude with the biggest... Like, I, I think maybe the biggest nose I've ever seen in real life. It was insane. White dude? White dude, yeah. You, Old white dude. You, you ever see, um, oh boy, man, I can't remember the origin of it, but you may remember this. They're like these old drawings. You know how like like in scientific books in the 1800s they would have illustrated pages like like on like the origin of the species. There's like all these hand-drawn, detailed oh, yeah. images of like wildlife and stuff. Back then the in those scientific books, that's what they would do because they didn't have photographs. So they would just do these really careful, accurate drawings. And um, there's drawings like that. Maybe we can find them on the internet of um, 
people's profiles, and these these are English people. Um, I, I say English, but that's that's not really what I mean. I mean they're the people that were living in the British Isles, so of, of all varieties, and people were documenting the really unusual looking ones. So there's just a series of these very accurate scientific renderings of people with like no chins and big noses, like people that have really grotesque features and they were documenting them scientifically. And there's just picture after picture of the grossest looking people you've ever seen in your life, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Look that up. I will. I'm glad I always have a beard, so some people might think I don't have a good chin. I have a weak chin, but I don't. It's pretty good. I'm glad that I don't. I mean, I'm not, like, talking shit on guys who do, uh, you know, but whatever. I just feel the need to put that out there. But I'm glad that I've got an okay chin. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I got a Leno chin. If I shave my beard, I got, yeah, I got, got a, a good chin. I got too. a monstrous chin. You, get, you look like the Giga Chad a little bit. Do you know what that is? Uh, no, but you say Giga Chad, and it makes me think of Giggity Giggity, and it, that makes me think yeah. of a big old chin on uh, what's his face. I mean, that's kind of a good point. Um, what's his? What is his name? Um, shit, Family Guy. What's his name? Quagmire. Quag, I was gonna say Matt's uh, yelling it right Quag, now. Quagmire is kind of a Chad. I mean, he's not really, but. Uh, so you, do you know what the do you know what that means? A no. Chad? No. No. What is Chad? What what is the name Chad like evoke? Like a like a like a like a white dude with a lot of energy. He probably plays football. He's, 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 oh no! Don't do that. <laughs> I didn't realize I was Bluetoothed in. Jeez, that's funny. Uh, so yeah, no, you're hitting it on the head. That's exactly what a Chad is. Chad is like the alpha, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um and. Giga Chad is just like the ultimate. Oh, version of I that, got you. you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's this uh, guy. J- Jordan Peterson calls that the meta hero. Yeah, yeah. So there's this guy. I don't. He. I. He can't be real. I, it's got to be like some CGI. But it's this guy. He's like you know some super hands like a chin like this. Uh, you know. That's yeah, funny that you. It's funny that you paint the picture of a big chin as like on on a strapping guy, because there's a difference between like like. Jim Caviezel, or not Jim Caviezel, what's the guy, yeah, well, he's a handsome dude too, but what's the guy who played uh, Superman? Um, Cavill. Henry Cavill, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, there's a difference of like taking that guy who's got that chiseled, like, you know, 90 degree perfect, you know, ch- ch- like chin. Mm-hmm. He, the, the kind of guy that you feel like if you punched him in in the head, he's not going out. Like, yeah. He's got a solid chin. That's different from like... Jay Leno. That's what I got. I got the Leno chin. I feel like my chin is a is a target. Like if you hit that shit, I am out. I'm out like a light, and it's a big old target. I don't. I don't know, man. I think there's a difference. Oh yeah, that's got to be fake. It actually does kind of look like you. Yeah, he's a handsome. Bloke. I mean, obvi- obviously his you know his facial features are like like you said. It's got to be fake. I mean, I have oh, no idea. I, I, hold on, I got to explain this for the audience. Kyle's showing me that image that you've seen on social media a million times of this dude with a beard. He's smiling. He's got dark hair slicked back, and he's got just big old pecs and like just just big muscular chest. And he's just a handsome guy with a giant, perfectly square chin. Yeah. Um, he looks like a, a cartoon. Another guy who comes to mind who kind of looks like a cartoon is John Hamm. You know oh, who that yeah, dude is absolutely. from Mad Men. He's got a good chin. He's like, yeah, he's like the almost the poster boy for the, uh, you know. He's got a good chin. But then you then you think about guys like, um, you know, who comes to mind is like Eminem. But people who have like a a very pointy. angular pointy chin. Yeah. yeah, it's like a weak chin. And people who who whose jawline sort of fades away, especially they, yeah. they just all neck those people. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not a good quality for anybody. Like if you're born with that trait, oh man, you got dealt a you got you got dealt a sour deal, Grow man. Grow a beard, dude. Grow a beard. Even <laughs> 
what if you're a woman when you have and you have that problem? Grow a beard. Grow a beard. <laughs> it's the it's the twenty twenties. I guess you can. It's twenty twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Do whatever man. you want. Take hormones. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm just gonna start talking about trans shit again. Well, I was I was trying to give you shit about uh, not reading those Viking books. Did you read them yet? No. Try, not get yet. into them, you no, lazy not bastard. Really. I know, man. What do you do when you get when you get home from work? Clean, to play with Patton. You know. Yeah, just living your, living your life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. Read those books. <laughs> I need a I need a, a book report from you. All right. Um, what do you got, man? <laughs> for the podcast today. So I was uh, <coughs> one thing I was thinking about while I was watching the Northmen. <coughs> excuse me, uh, is and, and you see this throughout a lot of movies, and I'm sure that it was true, although I don't know. Um, but there's this focus on people who are warriors about like wanting to die in battle, you know, not wanting to die an old man, yeah. not wanting, you know. Um, do you think that was the truth, or do you think that that's like a fictional? Uh, listen, I th- that's a really interesting question. Uh, I think that any human being at any era is going to have some fear of death that is impossible to get over, especially as a young man. Like I, I feel like the um, the mystic experience I had that I had at the at the age that I did is about as early like when your brain is done developing. It's about as early as is possible in my opinion to have an experience like that that takes away your fear of death and I've, I'm not bragging but I, I feel that way um, I mean I I have fears don't get me wrong I have fears that I'm leaving my family without a breadwinner that I'm you know I have fears that people people that love me will be you know negatively affected it's not like I'm not afraid of th- those things I am but personally if I if I I don't have a fear that when I'm when I'm dead that that, that there's some it, that doesn't hold any power over me. That idea. Um, I got way off track, Kyle. Jesus you Christ! Remember where you were going? Not anymore. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. that um, um, oh, you yeah you. So, but then you think about things like, especially the Vikings, since you bring them up. Um, that if you die in battle, there's a special heaven for you. Yeah. Valhalla. Nobody else gets to go to Valhalla. Just the heroes and the gods. You know. So you can see that that's probably some kind of propaganda like probably that was a you know socially uh developed re- re- quote-unquote religious idea but it wasn't you know it, you don't get that revelation from a mystic experience you get that revelation from like you know government people who are thinking long and hard about how do they motivate the citizens to get what they want that's where you get a myth like valhalla from that doesn't come from that doesn't come from a legitimate vision of god that comes from politicians man but then oh yeah yeah. But the fact that that exists, um, you know, there gives credence to that, that people actually believed it, or at least that the culture wanted young men to believe it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because if you believed you're going to get a special heaven with 72 virgins, right? Yeah. You're going you're gonna to be more likely to do some irresponsible shit. I guess, yeah, that's true. And I guess that does come from the government or, the, you know, the ruling powers, whoever. Um I was just thinking, I guess I was just not thinking of it that way. I was thinking of it more in the sense that back then, you know, especially over in like Europe where, you know, you've had people living there for a long time. So, you know, it's not like it is today, but there's like a good amount of people in kind of close proximity to each other, you know. 
Um, and if somebody could just pop up on your shores and it's like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. Uh, so having that, like, warrior spirit is good because you have to defend what is yours, you know? Yeah. So um, It's an evolutionary, you know, uh, adaptation. Yeah, absolutely. To, to the threat of danger, you yeah. know? It's uh, interesting. So, and I was thinking, one, where I was going with this was I was th- wondering, does that still exist today? That, like, I want to die in battle? Obviously, it's less, you know? Well, so I can definitely talk about the way I felt after 9-11. So, so we can circle back to that. But one other thing I wanted to add to this is, you know, like, you, you see, we're both old enough to have people in our lives that have gotten old and died and people that have gotten old and frail and you can see like how much they suffer, you know, from arthritis and from just you know getting banged up their whole lives, yeah. from getting from getting their you know body eaten up by cancer or whatever. You can see how much old people suffer, and you, and you you can imagine that before modern medicine, people obviously didn't live as long, but people the quality of people's lives wasn't as good, and your bodies got beat up way worse. And you can imagine that if you were a young man and you and you saw the rare person that was quote lucky enough to live to a ripe old age, you would see them suffering like nobody else suffers. Yeah. And there, you can imagine there might be an incentive, if, especially if you're a young person, you're looking at those people that you love that are old and suffering, thinking to yourself, "That'll I don't I don't want that to ever be me." You know, even today we we can kind of under we can kind of sympathize with that idea. It's like it would be better for me to die as a young man. And to be, you know, immortally youthful and and whatever, than to than to suffer the slings and arrows of age and, and deterioration, sure. you know. Yeah, it's a a barrel of the gun that we're all staring down. You know, does that does that seem to you like? I just imagine in ancient times that that fear might have been more powerful because again we didn't have modern medicine sure. do you think that would actually motivate somebody to want to die young does maybe that, does that make sense yeah, to that you that does make sense yeah I, I mean I don't know like if I'm trying to ask myself would you feel that way if you put if you put yourself in that position I'm like I don't know yeah I don't know either um, that makes me think about what you just said makes me think about something that I've thought about quite frequently is that like Back before modern medicine, if you're, I don't know, doing some kind of serious physical labor like they were all doing back then. Um, And when you do that kind of labor, you're prone to have accidents. And when the labor is like that, the accidents can be bad. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, imagine you're at work and somehow you snap your leg. Oh, God. Yeah. Back then, you're done. You're done, man. Probably dead. You know, and, and it won't be an easy death either because it's going to be sepsis. It's going to be... Imagine how much more... Like, people panic when you break a, a bone now because you broke a bone. I yeah. mean, although I didn't when I broke my leg. I was, like, pretty composed. <laughs> That's um, true. But some people do. Uh, but back then, imagine how panicked you are. You're dead. I mean, that's like... Falling and breaking your leg is the equivalent to, like, taking a walk through the woods and there's a fucking bear and you're you're done, you know? Yeah, but it, but worse than that. Yeah, worse than a bear because a bear kills you quickly. It's yeah, like exactly. wa- it's like walking through the woods. You're five miles into the woods by yourself. You get bit by a rattlesnake. Mm-hmm. Like you're oh, yeah. you're dead, but it's going to take about three hours, and you're going to be crawling out of the woods. You know, in like relentless pain. Oh God, Jesus, S- scary shit, man. Can you imagine? Thank God for modern medicine. Can you imagine having like you just described? You know, you're like, you're like. 
trying to build a defensive wall around your village to protect yourself from these people that have been stealing your your sheep and shit. And a, a big boulder falls back on your leg and you get a compound fracture. And there's no modern medicine. There's no antibiotics. You're fucked. You're so Best fucked. Best case scenario, they cut it off below the break and you don't have a fucking foot anymore. Yeah. And then, and then you're a charity case for the rest of your life because you can't help the community. You're a burden to everyone. And imagine being that pos- in that position and two minutes before this, this accident, you were the chief. You were in the prime oh. of your life. You had everything. You, you were doing – you were – taking care of your responsibilities you were taking care of the community you were taking risks scary and the moment your leg breaks it's the final countdown mm-hmm. and you know it's like you just got a terminal cancer diagnosis the doctor said you have two weeks sir and you're 20 22 years old with big biceps yeah. and six wives six wives not anymore man nope those wives are going elsewhere yep to your brothers probably most likely mm-hmm. um yeah, I don't know. That's I don't know either. Scary shit, man. That, Life is scary, man. But it, it would have been less scary now. It would have been scarier back then. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think. Um, I hope we don't we don't revert back. You know what I mean? So it's so scary because it's happened before, yeah. and it doesn't seem that far off. The way the world is right now. No, it doesn't. It seems like all this progress we made could be washed away in a moment. Because people are such fucking idiots. Yep. That's exactly... I, I, I just try not to think about it, man. Because I'm like... We are like on the fucking edge. You know how easy it would be to slide back 500 years for technology and, and quality of life and ability to fight disease? The people in sub-Saharan Africa who have been dealing with this stuff without the technology and without... you know Those people are going to be... They're not going to notice. The whole rest of the world is going to be fucked. This is the main reason why, like, I, I'm just, I'm not as into politics as I have been in the past, but, you know, I st- I'm still on Twitter. I still see some shit that happens. And what we're talking about now is, like, the main problem that I have with these fucking people is, is with what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and stuff like that. It's like, you're playing with, like, I don't know, like, the future of humanity. And you're just like, well, I don't understand the need for this, like, constant, like, escalation. And, I, you know, maybe this will be controversial with some people, but the escalation is coming from us for the most part. I mean, they invaded, but before that, we've been needling them for decades to do this shit. So I just don't understand. I mean... So you, you've said a few things in the past, like what you just said in terms of this Russia thing, and it's... It doesn't. It strikes me as interesting because nobody else has that perspective on the news right now. Uh, the left, the right, everybody's everybody's in support of yeah. uh, Ukraine against Russia. I mean, I'm I'm in support of Ukraine too, honestly. Like, I, I don't want if the people of of Ukraine don't want to be a part of Russia, then I don't think that they should have to. Um, but that being said, I just don't. I don't think that the independence of Ukraine is important enough to uh, you know to jeopardize to, everything to, yeah. to start World War III oh, yeah of course um, and I think that it's also a pretty complicated issue too I mean the the initial the initial part of Ukraine that this was all about wanted to be a part of Russia voted to be a part of Russia and Putin said no um, you know 
So I, I don't know. Like, obviously, it's gone farther than that at this point. Right. Um, but, I mean, depending on how far you go back, Ukraine has, like, historically always been a part of the empire of Russia. Um, so, uh, like, politically, it's just more complicated than these new lines that we drew on the map, yeah. you know? No, I think that's true. I think that's true. Um, and it's funny that this came up organically because this is something I wanted to ask you about. I had a weird thought about this Russia-Ukraine thing, like a weird analogy, and I wanted to see what you think of this. So strap in. Uh, where, did, right. where did I write it down? Um, oh, I got a couple good ones for you today. Um, oh, here it is. All right, it goes something like this. All right, my parents are like retirement age right now, and they didn't... Um, save for retirement really at all my parents they didn't prepare for it they you know we, we didn't have a lot of money and so they didn't have any extra money and like literally they didn't have any extra money ever so saving for retirement was not really part it wasn't really possible you know yep. so the point is that they didn't prepare and uh, people will say you know like my parents had three kids and all this and people and they and like they like every parent in the 80s they smoked cigarettes and they spent money on that kind of shit so you, you, you might make an argument that maybe they could have made other sacrifices. Maybe they could have had fewer kids. Maybe they couldn't stop smoking. Whatever. Who knows? You, whatever. You can make that argument. But the point is they didn't prepare. And now that they're ready to retire, they're feeling the pain of their lack of sacrifice, right? They, they didn't prepare. And part of me, like the libertarian part of me, says, well, that's what happens. Like, like I'm not saying that, that they get what they deserve, but... That's not what I mean, but that's what happens. Like you have the choice to make about what sacrifices you want to make and, and where you want to allocate your resources. And, um, you know, you have to plan and you can't plan for everything. It's, sure. You know, you can't plan for Shit everything. Happens. Shit happens. Yeah. But, the, but the point is they didn't prepare for retirement and now they're kind of fucked. Okay. That's the argument that came to my mind about Ukraine. So let me put it in, in perspective. United States has a huge defense budget. Like it's grotesquely insane. insane. I'm not. I'm not supporting that. I'm just saying that's the case. Yeah. We prepared like doomsday preppers for for you know the shit to hit the fan. We're prepared. True. If Russia invaded the United States, it's a joke. It's a joke. We prepared. Ukraine didn't save for retirement. They they didn't have a budget for you know a sufficient military budget to protect themselves in the event of this to happen. They made a choice about where to put their resources. And I'm not saying that I think it's it's a good thing that they should have to do that. I think it's a terrible thing. If if countries didn't need militaries, we could we, we could spend a lot of money in very good ways and not have to worry about buying bombs and shit. Yeah. So but I, but the point is reality is reality they didn't prepare for retirement now they have to be in poverty they didn't have a military budget they can't protect themselves so what i'm saying is while the media continues to say zelensky's a hero the ukrainian people are fighting for their for their you know against all the odds and i love that hero story too i'm on board but the point is is there responsibility that we're not talking about that rests entirely on Ukraine's shoulders that they knew that there's a sleeping bear two miles away? Why the fuck do they not have, you know, provisions? Yeah. I don't know. Am I being unfair? But this is an idea that occurred to me when the rest of the media is telling a different story. I think that that is kind of a symptom of a factor that is going to come into play. Well, I shouldn't say is going to, but could potentially come into play for a lot of the world. 
and that's that America is the you know it's like the the Trey Parker Matt Stone movie the World Police yeah um, you know a, a huge like portion of the country well I don't know if it's a huge portion of all the countries in the world but like a lot of countries in Europe you know we have all these uh, organizations and like NATO mm-hmm. um, you know so I, a lot of these countries have not had to develop their militaries at all because we just do it for them you know so dangerous and it's just the threat it's, it's not I mean we do have bases all over the fucking place you know that yeah like if you guys don't know who, the people who are listening go online and just look at a map of all of the United States military bases in the world it's crazy they're everywhere we like own this bitch yeah um so I don't well, listen there's something that popped in my head when you were talking about um the US being the world police yeah and uh, and I was thinking like how dangerous that is, but another angle pops in my head, and it goes something like this: Smud, this is the libertarian uh, economist in me. I think places, countries, whatever, whatever scale you want to talk about, that have a an advantage in making a good or service, they should make that good and service because they can do it cheaper, more efficiently, more effective. It's the best use of resources, right? It's called economies of scale. That's what we call it in economics. If you're a country that, that doesn't have a lot of industry, but you've got a lot of cotton fields, or a lot of fields, right? You can make, you can make cotton. You can make uh, linens. You, you, know, you can start you know, developing your economy around what you do best. Yeah. Um, like that's what happened with Hong Kong. Like Hong Kong has no natural resources. So they became this, this information technology finance hub you know, because they didn't have any natural resources. They couldn't manufacture there. They couldn't do anything there. So they figured out what they could do there. You know, they, they had, they had uh, the right, they had manpower. They had smart people. They, they put it in, into practice. Um, the United States has economies of scale. There are some things that we do best, better than most other places. And it just occurred to me that one of the things we do best is building a military. Fucking nice. <laughs> it's like, if the United States is the most efficient at providing a, a, a trained armed forces, then why shouldn't we, from an economic perspective, why shouldn't we be the world police? <laughs> How about we produce all the soldiers and the rest of the world leases them from us? I mean, <clears throat> I, I agree. That is almost kind of like a free market you know, uh, argument. Absolutely. But it's not really though, because it's the government and like they're, that money's coming from us. You know, I would, I mean, it's a scary thought. It's like kind of a RoboCop ish thought, but I, I don't hate the idea of like just having private military organizations. I bet you, you could do it effectively. Um, you know, you could, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Like, listen, I, I just want to grain of salt that last comment and say that, I realize having the military, the policing power of the world focused in one in one area, you know, mm-hmm. by one company or one government or whatever, is the stupidest idea. <laughs> it's the stupidest idea on the face the of Earth. As far as putting that force together, though, we are good at we it. We would be. Yeah, we yeah. would be. We would be the like the Amazon. <laughs> we were just talking about how it's hard to compete with them. Well, you know, but, you know, it's like... <sighs> Remember when Trump was saying, like, if we're going to have soldiers in other countries um, and they're allowing us to protect them. And so, like you said, they don't put their own resources in it because why would they? We're doing it. They should pay. They should pay us for that. We're like we're like we're like mercenary policemen there, basically. And we we shouldn't do that for free. 
And if, and and that means basically two things. If they want us there, they have to pay us. And then we're getting a source of, of funding directly to the military that's not coming from taxpayers. That's great. Yeah. Um, go ahead, sir. No, no, you're good. Oh, um, I lost my train of thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not getting paid. You know, it's not it's not like a service that we are offering because we're being paid for it. But we're not doing it for no reason, you know. Right. Uh, so, what is that reason? Do you think? Well, having a military presence in the world all over the world is leverage. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a power game. It's, exactly. It's, I can be there at eight minutes with a nuclear with a nuclear capable submarine. You son of a bitch! You yeah. better mind your p's and q's. Yep. You know. I. Uh, it's a bully tactic. Oh yeah. I think that. What was I going to say? Fuck! It's we're both. Yeah, we're just, just all over the we place. Are all over the place. <laughs> uh, fuck, I lost it. Whatever it was. Anyway, <laughs> while we're on the subject, though, what do you think about? Um, I kind of feel like this might be the new warfare. It's financial. Yeah, that's what's happening with Russia. It's like we've got one country that most of the world thinks is is making a, a mistake, and we want them to stop. So what we're going to do is put all these financial sanctions on them and continue to funnel resources to Russia or to Ukraine rather who can't afford it themselves so it's it's financial it's we're supplying supplies right but that's the same thing as if they had the money that's what they would be buying supplies so that's what we're doing we're giving them money we're we're trying to cut off cut off the income to Russia and we're tr- we're funding the Ukraine and there's you know a big chunk of the world doing that you know yeah. So all, all we're doing is bleed slowly bleeding. It's like that. What did they used to do in the old days? They would um, blockade a, 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 a town oh, yeah. and they would keep the resources from being able to get in. They would starve the town to surrender. That's what we're doing. And I just wonder if it works, especially if it ends up working. We don't ever have to send a soldier anywhere again. All we have to do is cut off the money, yeah. you know, and that's a double edged sword. Like there's there's part of me that thinks that's world peace. That's amazing, and then there's part of me that thinks, who gets to who gets Man. to close the valve, mm-hmm. and and I'm terrified. Yep. What do you think? I think that if I, I just think that if they can do that to Russia, they can definitely do it to you. Um, Fuck yeah, they can. You know, and that's so scary, man. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of that that kind of regulation. I, I mean, surprise, surprise. Um, but that is a scary thought. Mm. But I mean, I'm I'm with you. I see how it is. Like it's like, oh, that's good. Um, you know, it could be world peace. But I guess. But at what cost, man? It's so well, scary. That's what I was gonna say. Is like I don't. I just don't think that the cost is worth it. If if it's like a centralized thing, you know, uh, making that decision. Now, if you have a bunch of private. Co- I mean, surprise, surprise. This is my answer. If you have a bunch of private companies who are like, we're not gonna do business with Russia. And I think some of them are doing that. But the problem is people like to make money. There are going to be people who, you know, will fill that need and they'll make a lot of money for it. If if this works against Russia and it becomes the uh, the, the new standard for warfare, this financial warfare. Um, oh, man, I had something good. Uh, I lost it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, uh, what was it? It's just really scary, man. It's just really, really scary. Oh, it was, it was Bitcoin I wanted to bring up. Oh, yeah. It's like if this succeeds and it becomes the new standard, then Bit- Bitcoin becomes the number one threat to world peace. Do you realize that? That's crazy. Bitcoin would become the number one threat. to. And I 
love the idea of Bitcoin. Decentralized currency is seems to be a way of taking the power back from the government that the that the that the elites have stolen from us over the last couple hundred years. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess it's always been that way. I don't know who I'm fooling, uh, but we could have that power back if if the government doesn't have the the uh, monopoly on our currency, then they they can't shut off the valve. They can't print money. Yep. They can't forgive student loans. They, you know, because the money's it's Bitcoin. The government doesn't have any control over it. So if 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 this ends up becoming a strategy that they that they want to be able to use, and Bitcoin undermines it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens to Bitcoin. You know? Yeah. I uh, Bitcoin. I I I feel like I should have bought some Bitcoin. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> back in the day. Um, but I still don't really fuck with the cryptos. I, I, I should, I, I'm more inter. I've always been more interested in, uh, gold, gold, silver, yeah. precious metals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we should create our own cryptocurrency though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know nothing about it, but, uh, tongue the, coin, the, the tongue coin. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the Bitcoin story is that, that mystery is just really interesting, man. Yeah. The fact that the, that the person who, in, who invented the, the blockchain or whatever. Elon Musk. Yeah, well, maybe. It's a mystery. It no was. one knows. It yeah. was Elon Musk. Musk, man. What do you think of that guy? I don't know. You know, he seems pretty cool right now. We'll see how it goes. Um, what do you think of, what do you think of all the, um, of all the people that have been getting all the shadow banning this is this is the 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 narrative that the shadow banning effects have all been lifted because the twitter people are trying to undo all the uh, shady shit that they've been doing before Elon Musk can come in and and find oh, them out okay. so people have been getting like hundreds of thousands of new followers in like this, the last yeah. couple of weeks and all these conservative people are tweeting about it like I can't believe it I got 400,000 followers like what's going on yeah. because they've because whatever they've been doing behind the scenes has been that literally that shady and and you know what can you imagine it's like what you're doing is controlling the public's perception by silencing all of the opinions that 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 go against you know the the narrative and and It's like you, it it makes you it marginalizes the majority potentially the majority of people it makes them feel like their opinions are marginal and uh, on purpose. It's so scary. It's so effing scary to think that that happened during the last election. It's so crazy. Fucking hey, man. I I think that uh, that last election. I, I'm not a. I don't put a lot of faith into the system anyways. Like, I mean, even if you take it between the choice of Trump and the choice of Biden, it's not great choices. Right. Uh, you know, um, I think I would have taken Trump personally, but uh, it, not great choices in the first place. But after this last election, I don't understand why people like, I don't understand why they expect people to have faith in it anymore, and I also don't understand why people are still going to because people are still going to. Yeah, yeah, force of habit or something, man. I'm not saying I don't. I don't know the evidence well enough to say that there's conclusive evidence that um, there was, you know, like cheating on the scale that would have swung the election. I mean, I've heard some shady shit and that's my entire point is that they have not refuted any of the shady shit at all they just like right they just don't acknowledge it and it's like and they think it's just gonna go away and it kind of does 
It kind of does. They control that too. Yep. It's so fucking, it's so fucked up, man. So this is tied to this, this is a relevant story in the news right now, which is the, uh, oh, I can't remember what they're calling it, but the, the Department of Homeland Security now has a new department. Yeah, The yeah. Ministry of Truth, what are they calling it? I think that's it. It's, no, it's whatever, the Disinformation Board or whatever. Okay. Yeah, that's what it's called. But it's it's the Ministry of Truth. Uh, that, well, the, I mean, the conservative outlets are talking about when Musk took over Twitter, then they introduced this board. And maybe they're related, maybe they're not. Maybe there's no conspiracy there. But it's interesting that if if Musk's involvement with Twitter removes the advantage that, that the left perceives that they had in the last election, and coincidentally this... Department of Homeland Security board is created. Now, this is what I want to know. What powers do they have? What policing powers does this, does this board have? Are they going to be able to say, are they going to be able to pull things down and, and mark things as disinformation in the media, in social media, in, you know, like what, like I want to know, what in the Sam hell gives the, the, uh, the Department of Homeland Security the authority to have this sort of a board? And what kind of powers are they actually going to have? Yeah. Because that is the, the fact that people are not, com- everybody up in arms about this is completely mind-blowing. It is the biggest threat to freedom of speech in the history of the United States that the federal government is going to on the basis of homeland security concerns tell you what what is re, what is what is a fact and what is not in any context it it should be maddening to everybody yeah, it's and an outrage nobody says shit man nobody is saying shit yeah i mean that's like a step in the direction of uh you know communist russia a huge step in that direction. Yeah. It's it's such a huge step in that direction that that we God damn it, man. God damn it. This is something that uh that was once upon a time of uh like a part of a fictional sci-fi future that we, we that we read about, right? Yeah. This was a fictional thing that could never really happen, but it's trying to show you where the future, the dark future we might be leading into. And here we are. I, yeah. Joe Biden's introducing that shit into reality, man. I remember the first time I read 1984 and being like, "Man, that's scary, but but we're good." Yeah. You know, <laughs> can't say but anymore, no, man. No, we're fucking knocking on the door. It's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. Fucked I, up, dude. I just don't understand, man. I don't understand how these people that pretend to be liberals, you know, that pretend to be kind and compassionate people, refuse to see the value in freedom of speech. I just can't understand it. Yeah, that's one thing that's been interesting about this Elon Musk thing is the amount of people who are just like basically coming out full blown against free speech, you know? Like, there's a lot of surprisingly more people than I would have expected, you know? Yeah. It's like, I just kind of like free speech. Like you should be able to say what you want to say for the most part. You know, I don't. Right. You you know, I kind of know where it started, but I remember when we started hearing the word hate speech, like when that got introduced to the lexicon, we got this new type of speech. It's called hate speech. We didn't used to have it, but now there's a word for it. So it exists. And that's actually not okay. It's not allowed. It's not covered. It's not protected under, under freedom of speech. Motherfucker, man, are you kidding me? And I, we just see that so much where people invent new 
ideas and new concepts and try to force it on everybody else. And it, it works so often. It's terrifying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think I, at least I hope, and I've said this before, I think people are maybe starting to see through it a little bit. Yeah. Not, and, and like, I think maybe kind of the majority of people are starting to be like, ah, this is ridiculous. Uh, like they did it with Elon Musk. They're like, he's from South Africa. He grew up in apartheid. He just like, this is all about silencing black people or what, whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. And it just seems like if you know, I mean, nobody knows Elon Musk, but if you have followed him in culture, he doesn't seem like a racist. He doesn't come off like a racist. Not at all. Not at all. Um, And like hearing somebody say that, it's just like, it seems so, I guess, shocking or like, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, I don't know. You know what I, you know what I don't understand? Sorry. This is a kind of a tangent, but this, this really irks me, man. I don't understand how like, Elon Musk for, is a good example. He's a white dude, yeah. but he's not from the United States. Yeah. He doesn't have any ties, as far as anybody knows, to any racial discrimination historically, any slave ownership, anything like that. You know, he's not he's not even an American, right? But he's here now, and so he just gets lumped into this to this group, and it, it's all the other white people in America, and somehow this group means implicitly that you're racist somehow and I think it's like the reason I bring it up is like I'm a couple generations deep in this country and I'm lumped into this group too I'm I'm considered by non-white people to be a white dude and that comes with some guilt and responsibility for slavery and discrimination and nobody ever nobody ever takes into consideration the fact that my family immigrated here way after all of that. That I came from the middle of Europe, that I I came here and and, uh, my family came here and was poor and worked their way up to where I am here. Nobody ever owned a slave. Nobody was ever involved in the slave trade. My family worked with 10. He was like a, my ancestor who came over here, he, he worked with 10. He made metal things. I don't know what he made. I just, I'm talking about his occupation from the census. Yeah. He, he was a, a laborer, a poor man, like most of human beings and most of human history who came over here and had nothing to do with it at all. So I have no historical connection to it. I have no responsibility for it, no guilt for it, not in my blood, yeah, but not he, in my blood. He could have been a racist, though. Yeah, I know. But that's, that's like but, what it is. But that, that's the thing. I know. It's fucking... That's the thing I don't understand. I don't have responsibility for it. Elon Musk has doesn't have responsibility for it. And yet the perception somehow is that because I look a certain way, I'm part of this group that has to bear guilt and burden and responsibility for a terrible acts. And it's like the reality is... Very few people were wealthy enough to have slaves. Very few. Most Americans have zero connection to it. Mm-hmm. Most white Americans today have zero connection to it. I really do think that it boil. That's what it boils down to for that for the other side, though. It's like so. Your your, you know, your great 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 grandfather may not have had slaves, but he still didn't want them drinking out of the same water fountain as he did, and. That's just, like, the most mind-boggling, like, how can you hold somebody responsible for what somebody who is not them did? 
Exactly. Well, and how, how can you push it off on the culture, which is the which is the angle that you just tried to like, like the culture was such that that minorities were discriminated on in this way, X, Y and Z. And because that didn't affect you because of your skin color, even though you have no connection to it, you benefited from it. But I'm not responsible for yeah. the culture. I was born into it just like you. I have I have no control over the culture. Can you change the culture, Kyle? Can you can you flip a switch and, and change the kind of music that people like? Can you create a new genre of like? Do you have any power over the culture? Zero, man. I Zero. Know. I don't know. I might have a little bit. <sighs> Maybe a little like, bit. I'm like Kanye a little bit, you yeah. know? Yeah, two tongues, Kanye. I like <laughs> yeah. that. I like that. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, though. I mean, obviously. Um, it does. If it were that easy, you know, black people in the civil rights movement of, of you know, could have just flipped a switch and, and cured it. Well, what, good people would have done that. White, black, doesn't matter. Good people would have flipped that switch if it were so simple. Mm-hmm. It's not, man. Yep. True. Culture, man. And I and I think the only other angle that's left is the kind of the same angle like we're talking about now is that that the perception is that the culture favors a certain type of person. And if you fall into that favored group, that means you're privileged. And it's like, dude... You know, there's something to that. I know that there's something to that because I can understand that if you plopped me down in Tanzania, that I would have a harder time than a Tanzanian. You know what I mean? If you plop me down in Germany, I would have a harder time than a German. I don't think it has anything to do with the color of my skin, but I can understand that if the cultures, for whatever reason, in whatever context, favors one type of person, that it puts others at a disadvantage. There's a truth in that. There's a truth in that. But does that mean that everyone else is responsible? Does that mean that everyone else has to pay? And again, the question is, do you have control over the culture, the, the, the time and place that you're in? You know, can you flip it out, those switches? I don't think so, you know? I don't know who does, actually. Yeah, I think that you can change culture, but it takes a long time, and it's going to take a, I think, a pretty huge concerted effort. Like, I mean, that's like marketing, you know? Um mm. Uh, and look at like and and mar- you look at a marketing organization and that's trying to change the culture like right now you know like trying to um, convince someone to buy something um, but I think that you could still kind of change culture in a long term way through that kind of you so, know so this brings up an, an interesting idea and that's like social engineering yeah because what you're talking about is if everybody decides let's say if we can somehow agree that there's a certain direction the culture should move that we that if enough people get on board we can actually change it yeah and i think that might be true maybe temporarily maybe it's it's an effective strategy but what it does is it does something like this it says should the majority or should a group of people be able to change the culture that's going to affect everyone should they should they be allowed to should, could they be trusted to? Is whatever change that we all agree should be made, is that really for the advantage of everybody? Because what happens is if you give that decision even to the people, even as a democratic decision, yeah. that's a different thing than if it happens organically, if it happens naturally. And so there's this is connected to a philosophical idea called the dialectic, right? It's like, um, it's like if there is... Um, a question about slavery, whether slavery is um, moral or something, whether it should be allowed, that history acts out this dialectic. It acts out this debate. And 
history concludes it. And what that means is people's, people's minds change, people's ideas interact and, and change. Eventually, we have a civil war. A lot of people die. One side wins, and that's whatever side wins, whatever side, whatever side history um, you know, allows to, to be the victor, let's say, that settles the debate, at least for the time being. And that's an organic way, and it's terrible. And, it, and the Civil War has, has obviously a terrible cost, and I wouldn't want every decision to be, to be determined that way. But that there is a natural way of forces, you know, coming to a head and something turning out to be, uh, you know, prevail. And if that is slavery's wrong and, you know, whatever, then that's what, that's what it is. It's like this. It's like the analogy I'm trying to make here is, do, are we supposed to be involved in directing the evolution of culture? Or should it be organic? Should it just happen? And if we're taking control over it, it's like the government making all the choices. Mm-hmm. It's like if, we, if, we're, if we're going to take control over the direction of culture, it's something empowering about that. Like we get to build whatever future we want. You know, we get to create whatever values we want you know, to attach ourselves to for the future. Um, but... But it's like this maniacal arrogance idea comes in. Can, can we be trusted to do that? Or should we allow nature to, to do it for us or in us? Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Um, I, I tend to feel like there's nothing wrong with trying to manipulate it. Uh, like that's my gut reaction anyways. Um, but I mean, I, I do see obviously the, the potential problems with that. Um, but I don't know, for some reason, I just want to lean towards there's a way that it can be done that is not, you know, it's, it's just not without its danger. Yeah. The, the, the analogy that comes to my mind is like, like evolution, like what happened with our, our human body from the time we were, you know, whatever, a common ancestor with a, with an ape all the way up to the present day, you had this natural process of evolution that happens to get us to where we are. But today we have the ability to manipulate genes. Yeah. We could do it ourselves, you know. We could play around with it, and we could try to see can we do a better job than evolution to make to create the the future human being. Sure. And it's like that's exciting and an empowering idea that we can get in there and tinker with our own DNA. We can become supermen, and we can create that ourselves. Um, but w- what we're doing is we're taking the power away from nature, whatever that means, and we're putting it in our own hands. And we don't understand it well enough to wield that power. We don't know what we're going to do. If we start tinkering, we might create Superman, but we might create the hell on earth. We might create zombie apocalypse. We have no idea. So that's what I mean is like, I just don't know if we can be trusted to create our, to create our own or direct our own cultural transformation. I don't know if we can be trusted to do that from the top down. It has to be organic. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree with you. I think that, the, yeah, it's scarier when you look at um, somebody trying to control just culture and the way we act on such a large scale. You know, uh, I, I, that's that's kind of what I meant when I said that I think that it's there's a way to do it that's not going to be as harmful uh, as on a large scale. Because, I mean, I would say that if you were to if you were a Jehovah's Witness and you're going around knocking on doors spreading your message that's that's cultural manipulation you know absolutely um, but I just don't have as much of a problem with that you know I just you know I, maybe it's annoying um, but I mean same for having a church mm-hmm. where you're telling people come on in you know listen to what we've got to say 
that's cultural manipulation. And I think that's fine. It's interesting because I don't, I don't, I don't like the word manipulation. That's that part that comes to my mind that I want to resist. But, I just, but, the, but, the, but I, I'm like manipulating this thing. I mean, you know, yeah. like, I, I think this is where, let me put it this way. If one person is manipulating others, I have a, I have a problem with it. I have a small problem with it. But when everybody is manipulating everything all the time, then it becomes like a back and forth. It becomes yeah. this wave that moves, you know, in the system. That to me is more organic. It's sure. more natural when everybody's doing it and it's a push and pull. It's a balancing act. Yeah. That to me, that seems okay. It seems more okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe I, I maybe I just you. talked myself into it, into the or. Uh, the organic uh, approach. I thought you were already on the. Organic I, I was just. Approach. I was trying to be devil's advocate on both sides. Oh, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes the most sense to me too. I think that uh, there's no way to, there's no way to really escape that. I, I know you don't like the word manipulation, but I mean, I think that like, the definition of the word it fits pretty well. Yeah. Um, I just don't. What would happen? What would the world be like if nobody ever did that? It's a great question. Like, what does interaction between two different people, what is it if there's not, like, some kind of, even even the slightest, like, trying to manipulate, well, I guess that's kind of big, but trying to manipulate someone's mood. Like, mm. you, know, so you notice somebody's in, you know, looking depressed or whatever, so you, like, compliment them. Um, it's, that's a good point, man. Because, you know, you know what, this image comes in my head. It's like, if I was trying to, if I was trying to interact with you without um, any will behind it without any manipulation if i just wanted to interact with you without it all i could do is this yeah i just nod at you nod, and yeah. you nod back you yeah. know and that's it and as soon as i open my mouth there's something going on i think even that like when you when you're out in public and you make eye contact with someone and they nod at you that person acknowledged you that's you know true, yeah um and if they don't you're like fuck and that's kind of where dick. i was going like i think that if we were to not ever it would just we would just be standing there, not not interacting with anyone. Yeah, nothing interesting would happen. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of putting it, man. It's, it just reminds me. I put it immediately. Put it in a Petersonian context. That's the chaos, you know. That's the chaos that moves that moves everything. And without it, we're just still. There's we're dead. Yeah. We need it. It's the rejuvenating life. It's something that we need. Yeah, man. It's interesting, man. It's a weird way of putting it. Manipulation. What else you got, man? Um, what else do I have? I got something that I want to tell you that Jessica said that I thought was funny and probably interesting enough to talk about, but I, but I want to figure out what you brought to the table the this only, week. Literally the only other thing that I have written down, I had a, at least one other thing in my head, but I might have I might have let it slip, but I just had this moment when I was at work. I went up to the door and I knocked. You know, when I get there, I had to like let them know I'm there and, you know, also open the door to try to sell them things. Um so I knock on the door and my, you know, I give my spiel. I feel like a lot of the times these people don't want to fucking sit at their front door and have a conversation with me, you know? Right. Yeah. So I just try to bang it out quick uh, and let them go back to watching TV or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things I say frequently is something to the effect of, all right, I'll knock this out. You know, I have to ask them if they need any service inside. And most of the time they say no. If they say no, I say something like, all right, well, I'll just knock out the exterior then and I'll get out of your way, get out of your, you know, yeah. something like that. Yep. And uh, I go to, up to this guy's door and I'm to that point and I was about to say, and I'll get out of your hair. And this dude's bald. Like, I mean, you know, hair on the <laughs> sides. So I like caught myself and oh, had, no. just, had this awkward <laughs> pause in the middle. 
And I, I was like, all right, I'll get, I'll do this and then I'll get out of your way. <laughs> like that, you know. Uh, I don't think he knew what I, I think he just thought I was stuttering. But uh, uh, man, I, I, as soon as he closed the door, I was laughing about that one. Yeah, that's Freudian slip, I think. <laughs> but it's funny that you caught yourself and it like inter it interrupted your whole flow, man. Yeah. That's interesting. I, yeah. I almost would have liked to set it to see his reaction. But Yeah, you should have just said it, man. <laughs> It reminds me of when I um, when I was a kid and I first met your uh, your your aunt and back when we were kids everything was gay yeah, yeah. and I would just talk about how gay everything was and uh, didn't never didn't realize that it might be offensive to a person who was gay and uh, that was just like a weird awake like a rude awakening but you know it, it in the context of your family it was like you know hey you know don't don't say that and this is why and it was perfectly fine and understandable um it, I, I wasn't shamed for it or whatever but it would still slip out you know did they even say anything i think maybe it was just more just you and your mom that were like hey you know hey you know try not to say gay cuz that makes me feel kind of gay i wish that i wouldn't <laughs> have said that you know well it was a different world man it, well, and and language was language was different back then what was permitted and what was what even what the meaning of those words were, were different back then yeah, you you have to admit, gay didn't have a negative connotation in the slightest, you know, at least not a derogatory one towards homosexuals. But the word did. Well, it's that's funny, man, because it just it's it was the connotation. It was the, it was the fact that just a few short years ago, it seems like, to say gay in the presence of somebody who was gay was to shine a light on something that they were supposed to be ashamed of. And so that's why it wasn't okay to say, yeah. you know, because just saying the word gay back then was still shameful. And now that shameful part has been pretty much torn away from the word. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Yeah. It's weird. I say, I say gay sometimes. I, I, and I pretty much only do it in a context when it's like, you know, intentionally politically incorrect. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, just because, like, I would never, I, I have, like you mentioned, I have gay family members. I don't have any problem with gay people at all. Right. Um, I would never go up to a gay guy and be like, you're a fag, like, it, it, like maliciously, you know what I mean? Um, but when people freak the fuck out about words, I mean, then I just like, it's fun. It's fun to say those words to make mm. them freak out. So I got, I got to say that I got to told you this before but I'll, I got got this weird like visual so the first time I ever met a gay person was my first girlfriend's uncle I believe okay. and he was like a younger guy and I uh, he was very kind he was a very nice guy he drove her over to my to my house to pick me up and uh, take me back over to her house you know he just he was just a, doing a nice thing and it was like you know it was like 40 minutes out of his day and Point is, when I met him, I knew he was I knew he was a homosexual, and I was young, and I it was the first one I ever met. He was a he was a man too, which weirded me out. You know, I was like fourteen years old. I was like, you know, had all, I was, I just I was going through puberty, all this stuff, and here I am confronted for the first time with a gay guy, and he like tried he like reaches out to shake my hand, and I had this panic moment, like I didn't know. If I should tell, if I should shake his hand, should I be grossed out by this guy? Should I treat him like anybody else? Like I remember having this weird existential, existential crisis, trying to figure out whether I should shake this guy's hand. You know, I just remember, and I admit that. You know, I was a kid. You know, I certainly would not react that way now. I'm embarrassed about it, but I, I just have to be honest. And I wonder why it was. You know, it, it's cultural. It's like. It's 
like, I'm afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of snakes. You know what I mean? And if you go to like a, you know, you go to the zoo and the, and the guy's like showing you the, the tarantula is crawling on his hand. It's like, touch the tarantula. It's fine. And the kids are like, ah. yeah. you know, that's how I was with the gay guy. I was like, this is a scary spider. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. That's how I felt, man. And I wonder if it would have, if it could have been different, if, if it would have, if, if it would have been, I don't know, man. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if, if, if the culture would have been different, would I have been primed to react that way to meeting a perfectly nice guy, you know? Yeah. Like what the... I do know what you mean. I mean... Because I'm trying to understand why I reacted that way. Like, it it must have been the culture. Like, I had no hate in my heart. I, it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think the culture definitely plays part of it. I mean, and not even, like, culture at large, but, like, microcultures. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. What is it, man? Like, I, I'm trying to think. There's like a tough guy thing. And when you're trying to figure out who you are, who you are as a man, you're trying to figure out what it means to be a man, and you're, you know, the sexuality is blooming in you and whatever. It's like, I, I knew I wasn't gay. I didn't want to be gay. I didn't want to, you know, just trying to understand like what I was thinking at that at that stage. Think. And why? Yeah. I think on some level you're worried that they want to bang you. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> I think maybe. I don't know, man. And then sometimes uh, they do want to bang you, though. That's the thing. Yeah. You ever been hit on by a gay guy? Um, no, but I had a really I had a really nice inter- interaction with this couple, uh, the Brandons. We call them the Brandons. Uh, the Brandons because they were both named Brandon. Nice. Uh, me and me and Jessica when we were first dating, we went to the short north and we were just bar hopping and having a good time. And uh, I just remember going in this bar and these two gay guys just really, really flamboyant and and nice and like uh, extroverts. You know, they came right up to us and were talking to us. And I think we were like, I just remember there was like a Britney Spears. So maybe we were talking about Britney Spears. We were all drunk and uh, just making friends with the Brandons, as I recall. Uh, and we st- we still tell that story from time to time. It was just a, just like a, just a, you know, alcohol, you know, how, you know, how alcohol. Kind no of. chance the Brandons wanted to bang you. Ooh, boy. I'm trying to like relive those memories under that, under new context. Mm, I don't think so. No, no. All right. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows indeed? Maybe they uh, maybe they wanted to, and they got the impression that you and Jess are squares. No, maybe. Uh, I remember when we left that bar, um, we went back to the car to drive home, and we had no business driving, obviously. So when we walked out of the bar, I was like, where, where did we park? We go this way, we go that way. I got a bad sense of direction anyway. And Jessica's like, oh, it's this way. And she intentionally took me the opposite way of our car because yeah. she, she knew that I was, I was going to drive us home. And uh, so we got like a couple of blocks away. There, and, it, you know, to my mind, I was like, we're lost. The car is gone. <laughs> so we ended up getting a cab or whatever to go home. And she, she orchestrated the whole thing. She was like, this this guy cannot drive home. That's hilarious. She took me, she took me on a goose chase just so we could get lost and get a it's cab. A smart, smart move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's a smart girl. Never drink and drive, kids. Um, never drink and drive. It's bad. It's a bad decision. All right, so Jessica tells me this the other day. I thought, I can't remember, like, what we were talking about, how it came up. But you know how... Bitches be shopping. They do be shopping. They yeah. do be shopping. We're talking about that, like why it is that women, by and large, um, enjoy that that sort of a thing. 
and men by and large don't like it's like a chore for me and if i go to to the grocery store or if i go to the mall for whatever reason it's very easy for me to get super bent out of shape like in no you. in no time yeah like i i'll get dizzy you know walking around like walking around like you know girls like you know you're shopping for pants you're walking around the turnstile you're looking at the different pants if you if i'm following you two or three loops around that thing i start to feel sick man really? literally i'm like i'm gonna sit down uh, you know and if, if and if i'm at the grocery store and there's a lot of people around they're in my way and i feel like i'm in their way i get so bent out of shape that gets me my I'm, mood will sour so quickly yeah yeah i'm with i'm 100 with you on that i don't being in a busy store is just not like a thing that I ever want to no. do. No, uh-uh. um, so I do hate that. But yeah, no, like the the getting dizzy—that's not a not an issue for me. I mean, I've done enough. I've done enough of the shopping tour. I think I would have noticed that. It's unpleasant. There's lots of things that are unpleasant. The point is, there's something about um, being a woman that, that creates an appeal to that sort of thing that I just don't understand. And it seems like pretty normal. Guys don't, mostly, don't want to be have a, any part of it. And if I go to the store, it's a chore. I'm not enjoying myself. But women will like to like shop the deals and go sure. to, you know, they're having fun somehow. Yeah, yeah. I'll put I'll put off going to the store when I like really need things, you know? Like, it's like, man, I don't have any fucking paper towels. <laughs> exactly. Just like, it's like, all right, it's when I run out of toilet paper and paper towels, then I'm <laughs> Yeah, it's like, it's like, I'm out of paper towels. I'm going to use a sock to wipe up this mess today. <laughs> Tomorrow, I'm going to go get paper towels. I got towels. kitchen rags, man. You can wash them easy. Yeah. So. So anyway, the point is, there's definitely a difference in the mentality and the level of like positive emotion women get from shopping that I think is interesting and is unique to them. Yeah. And she said, do you think there's a connection to women for thousands and thousands of years being gatherers? Yeah. It's a good. It's interesting. And they're playing out this evolutionary practice of gathering, Getting right? Shit. If you, if we you might need this, like if you were like picking up like nuts and berries, and you like walk walked around the corner, and you just saw like a giant bush full of like ripe blueberries, you're like, get all of these. You know, like, you know, I just this, you know, this is a bargain. This is a sale, and you get excited. Don't you think that those evolutionary triggers are going off? in the mall the same way they would when you're gathering and if you for thousands of years all of the women were doing this practice and building these you know whatever these biological systems that allow them to more efficiently be gatherers it just blew my mind like bitches be shopping because because they're bitches be gathering because they're evolutionarily you know adapted to gathering man yeah here, Very interesting. And, here, and, here, and the flip side is absolutely the case when you look at when you look at how much men like competition, how much appeal we get from like violence and action movies and things like that. We're biologically predisposed to be hunters, you know, and soldiers, and it's because we've been hunters for th- hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. Just I like it. Blew my mind, man. Just That's a it's good, it's a it's a common sense thing from an evolutionary perspective, but I also like that your wife said it. I know she's a lady and she cannot she will like get in less trouble. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, it's it, it's a definitely an interesting perspective. I know that there must be like deeply deeply ingrained things in your biology in your brain in your dna in your personality i don't know where it's stored but there must be something you know if you 
if your if your body if you're biologically adapted to a certain activity there's a reason there's things there's things that are lasting you know programmed in like that and it just seems natural to to think that those systems are still there and they're going to and they're still going to be providing that positive reward the serotonin release in your brain those good feelings that you get when you feel like you've got something you want and bitches get that from shopping yep. so shout out to the ladies it's that, that is interesting. I and you know I never like have made that connection, but it makes perfect sense. It really does. Seems like it. Yeah. It's probably sexist. I wonder if the idea of shopping and have everything having everything like laid out and like they're searching through it. I wonder if that's like at all intentional. I wonder if that's like it's got to be. I mean, not not necessarily intentional, but like, don't you think? That the layout of the mall and or the of the of the store and how everything is displayed—it's not accidental. It develops. It gets they get better and better yeah. at it. And how do they know? Because people spend more money. It's like they're crafting how to how to recreate that scene to make it optimal for. Yeah, it's crazy. And don't you think something like every professional sport? It's just like a it's a, a football game. Is a, it's, a war. it's a recreation of a war or of a hunt. Oh yeah, every it's a it's a theater recreation of a hunt. Yeah, and every time you kick the ball through the net, every time you throw a ball to you know to to the to the yeah. wide receiver and he it's scores an a touchdown, an arrow through the lungs, buddy. Yeah. and everybody goes wild. We're gonna eat deer tonight. Yeah, yeah, everybody, a hundred thousand people That's in the awesome. audience were like, "We used to be hunters." <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. That is true. That's what it is, man. It's crazy. Cool. And we abstract that. We abstract that out so much. It doesn't even have to be football. It could be checkers. It could be chess. It yeah. could be video games. You know, yeah, it's, exactly it's recreating a hunt. Yeah, man, it's crazy. I, uh, I wonder. I mean, so there's men have the the. What's the word I'm looking for? Penises. Yeah, we do have those. No, but we have like the predisposition to be, like you said, warriors, uh, well, soldiers, warriors, whatever, um, hunters. Mm-hmm. Uh, women have like, I mean, what what would you say that is? Gathering. Um, do you think that like them being more nurturing is a part of that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Like the common conception that women are more nurturing than men. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, you would think that that's kind of like the opposite of the, like, the soldier impulse for men, you know? In you know, a way. You know what comes to my mind is how, how important women women and women's roles are for not just, like, the family, but the culture and the society at large. It's like men are always gone. Like, our role is to go out and explore and to bring back things and women kind of take care of take care of things you know back at home base and so much of the culture it's like if you were walking to a village you know the likelihood the men are gone it's pretty goddamn good we're spending most of our time away women are the ones building the the society they're the ones building the houses keeping the houses you know we figuring out how to weave the baskets they're the ones that are all the cultural things that archaeologists find, the pottery shards and the baskets, who made those? 
the women, man, the women are so important for the, even for the telling of the stories and the rituals and all that stuff. The women were so involved with the, keeping that stuff alive. The men were, were busy being gone so much. And it, all of that stuff is like, it's like coming full circle to me now because, because the matriarchs in our lives are starting to get old and die. And the women that we grew up with and the younger ones even are starting to become the matriarchs. And it's so weird to see. It's like I've said this before, but my wife is the one that makes the holidays. She's the one that makes the memories. And she wants me to help her out more. And I feel bad that I, that I don't um, because I, because I want to do what she, what she needs. I want to help her in whatever way I can, but it's not natural to me. It's so, and maybe it's not to her either. Maybe that's not fair, but the value and putting the effort into it, it's worth it to her. To yeah. me, it doesn't seem worth it to me. And so, but I appreciate it. It's necessary. It's like, I have all these memories of growing up and they're important. They were, sh they shaped my life and she's the one that's doing that for our kids mostly. And, uh, it's so important, man. And, and it just makes me think how important women and women's roles have been for the family, keeping the family together, the story that you tell about your family and your lives, and the culture, the, you know? I think we've gone off on this tangent before. Yeah. Um, but it it's concerning. When you look at everything that you just said and the valuable roles that have traditionally been women's roles throughout history, and you know, not here, not just here in America... Everywhere. History. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's slightly concerning that I feel like there has been, and this is like a cultural manipulation thing that we were talking about before, a cultural manipulation to view those contributions as less than. Yes, 100%. fucking weird. But listen, man, when, when, you think, when you think, like, if you were on an island and there was only a few men and a few women on the island and you all had to figure out how to survive and you said to yourself, we have to do this dangerous thing, whatever it is. We have to do this dangerous thing, but it has to be done. Who do we send? You send the expendable people. You, yeah. you send the people that you can do without if something bad should happen. Who goes? Not the women. The men go. That is a testament to, to how we value women. And if the culture tells you we, that women's roles are, are, aren't, aren't valued... You have, to, you have to push back and say, then why are the expendable ones that go out and do the hunting and the dangerous jobs, the ones that we send out to, to hang power lines and to build skyscrapers, yeah. are men because the women are too precious to, to, to put at risk. They're the ones that make the babies. They're the ones that, that, that uh, keep the culture alive. You know what I mean? That's how I see it. I mean, you think about it in terms of war. The men are the expendable ones, so they go defend but what are they defending? They're defending... I mean, you even think about it in, mm. the, in the context of today. Like, why did we say that we were going over to the Middle East? To protect our way of life. To, to protect, you know, to, well, to spread democracy. Um, and I think that's kind of like a motivation for war throughout history. To protect your way of life, you yeah. know? Um, and who is... It's the Teaching women. Teaching the way of yeah, life is who, the women. Who is continuing... To that way of life. We're out there defending it. Men are out there defending it. The women are the ones who are fostering it and, and building it into the future, See, yeah, well, at least historically. So listen, I, I grew up in a two-parent household, so I was lucky I had a mom and a dad my whole life. But when I think about who shaped me as a human being in the most lasting and, and significant ways, 
Joe Rogan. There's n- <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, there's no question it was my mother. Now, yeah. my dad taught me all the things that I needed to be a man. He taught me how to take responsibility. He taught me how to suffer for a reason. He taught me how to hunt. He taught me how to fish. And those are all great memories. But they're, it's, it's night and day compared to, the, compared to the impact that my mom had on, on me as a human being. I don't know how you feel. I assume probably similar. Pretty similar, yeah. Um, or, or maybe you might put you might put uh, you know your mom and your grandma in that category or something. And I'm, if I even think about my grandfather's, like especially my mom's uh, dad, I was I was very close with him. Yeah. But trying but trying to gauge the impact that that he had on me as a human being, he definitely he impacted what I think a, a, a man should be and a husband should be and a father should be. He, I have little little. Um, my ideas are colored by that influence as well. No question. Yeah. But, but my mother may be who I am today in all the ways that matter most. Yeah, you know, it sucks. I was just thinking about this, not necessarily in this context, but, you know, I feel like just to t- make this tied to what we were just talking about, women are the ones who are, you form that bond with them, you way earlier in life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, a lot of the times you can kind of form that kind of bond with your father too, but it's going to be later in life for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. Because not only you become more like them, but also I've noticed that a lot of guys seem to like wind down a little bit as they get older. You know, they're not so high strung all the time. Um, So I think that you can build that. And I, the reason I brought the, that I said I was thinking about this earlier is with my mom's father, Grumpy, um, he, he was alive way later into my life. I knew him as a person way better than I knew my Papa John because I was still a kid, you know, when Papa John passed. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know who I was. I was still right. figuring everything out, yep. you know. Um, and I wish I would have known Papa John better. I, I was thinking about him the uh, on my way here, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, thinking that like he used to go to work every day he he was um you know obviously he was in the military but then after that he worked at a hospital and was like did maintenance at a hospital oh, you interesting. know yeah and i just like think about it, like he had like work friends you know yeah absolutely and from everything i do know about papa john i know that he was a, a smart guy i just wish that i could have like talked to him as myself now you oh, know 100 percent, man yeah for some reason, this reminded me of my uh, memory from my grandpa, and uh, this is my mom, my mom's dad, and like same sort of thing. Uh, you know, he he died when I was, um, you know, I was in my early twenties, so I knew him for a long time, but I never asked questions like that. Like I could have got to know him a lot better, more personally, and I should have. You know, that's that's a shame that I can't and you can't. Yep. But I remember um, he used to go to uh, breakfast like on the weekends. And he would beat his buddies up at like the breakfast restaurant and they're all retired even then when I was a kid. And he's like these, uh, white collar guys that all used to like sell insurance, you know, and they're like meeting up at the Denny's or the, whatever it is, Perkins or whatever. And they're eating their breakfast sausages. And, uh, and you know, I, I would just, I would get to go, I would get to hang, be one of the guys with all these, you know, silverbacks. And I felt it was very, I was, it was an honor. I felt, you know, happy to be there. Yep. And I remember there was a table of black dudes that are of a similar age that, uh, they would see, um, from time to time, like I didn't go with him every time. I went, I went a time or two, but I remember seeing the the black crew um, more than once. And my grandpa would like you know say hello to them or whatever. And they had this 
interesting back and forth. Like in the parking lot, we were getting in the car. You know, the old black guy goes to his car. Grandpa goes to his car. They have a couple words, you know, uh, in the parking lot and whatever. And it's all cordial. But it's like this interesting thing where like they were acknowledging like we're men of a certain age, you and I. You know, it's like we grew, we grew up in the same America. We have the same history. We have something in common that unites us. Even though they were from a they were from a, a more racist time, where they probably wouldn't have been friends, or probably wouldn't have you know what you know what I mean. It's like they overcame that in their old age and realized that they were more alike than they might have might have been willing to say you know when they were younger men. And I just remember you know even that would have been in like in, in like the early nineties. And for me, it was like it, even then it was an interesting thing to see. I always like seeing seeing the sameness in people, seeing the connection that people have when they realize people are just people. You know, I've always loved that. And I just remember that particular memory of my of my grandpa in the parking lot, you know, just you know, whatever, having a joke with yeah. with the you know, with the with the with the black dude. Yeah. You know? It's a cool memory. Yeah. Um I can't remember where I was going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, that does make me, and I, I thought about that stuff before and it does make you like, uh, make an effort, you know, to, to get to know the, and like have quality interactions with the people, you know, before they're gone and you can't do it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a lesson for, uh, it's a cultural lesson too. We need to, we need to be, uh, we need to, f- come together and find common ground with each other more, you know, just, just by and large. Yeah. It's just too much division. I I was watching Fox news the other day and they were talking about illegal immigration and they were showing this footage of these people running across the border. And I mean, I'm, I definitely have a conservative streak in me. I think anybody who's listened to the podcast knows that. Um, But I do watch that footage and like, Obviously, I know that there are issues with immigration, you know, just like completely free, open immigration. Right. I understand everything has its cost. Every There's a cost and a benefit to everything. Um, but I do watch watching those people try to get over. It's like I understand why they want to come over here and like bad enough to do this. You know, I feel I, I, I don't blame them for wanting to come at all. Um, and honestly, I kind of I kind of lean towards they should be able to with like, I don't think it should be that hard to move to America. I mean, I I have a problem with people moving here and like taking advantage of tax benefits and shit like that. Right. Um, you know, getting payments from like, I don't think that you should be taking money from a poor family and giving it to an immigrant family. I just don't think that that's, yeah. you know, I don't think that's good. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. I think there should be an, an easier legal path so that people wouldn't be motivated to, to run with their children across the Rio Grande. Like, yeah. you know, there's, there definitely should be an easier process to it. Um, but I definitely agree that uh, it, it having open borders ha- has serious, serious uh, negative potential consequences. Yeah. If you don't know who's, who's here and you can't control the numbers and, you know, it's like, guys, do I have to, do I have to, uh, conjure up memories of Genghis Khan, you know, marching. And I'm not, I'm not comparing people coming from Latin America to Genghis Khan. I'm just, I'm just painting the image of like 
roving bands of, of people of unwanted people who just pop up and, you know, stomp, stomp through, uh, uh, you know, your, your, uh, fields. And, and, you know, it's like, we can't plan for that if it's not regulated and we got to be able to plan for the number of people we have to feed and shelter. And it's like, it's common sense guys, you know, and that, that sounds like a, um, like I'm favoring regulation as a libertarian. I probably shouldn't, but that's how I feel. I kind of feel like, completely unfettered regulation would be better than what we have now. Like, I mean, unfettered, like no regulation at all. Like just nothing. You you can come, you can go do whatever. Nobody's watching. Nobody's doing anything about it. I think that that would honestly be better than what we have now because now it's like, you know, we have these laws that say you can't, but we're not really doing about anything about it if you do. So it creates this like, this idea that people should try and it's dangerous. Oh yeah. Um, and not only is it uh, like a physically dangerous thing to do, but also we can, you know, if we decide that we want to fuck with you, we can, you know, I mean, uh, so I mean, people die, you know, people die naturally. People die, people get killed. Um, so that's a bad aspect of it. But also when these people get here, they can then start, I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of like super liberal people will tell you that illegal immigrants don't get any kind of, you know, benefits. Right. It's yeah. not fucking true. No. They definitely do. They wouldn't come here if that was the case. Yeah. And where How does can that, they survive? Exactly. Where does that money come from? I mean, I'm, you know, I know that these people come up here and they work hard, uh, you know, that's for sure. Um, but there definitely is benefit. And where does that benefit come from? It's taken like I said, I don't think that you should take money from a poor family to feed another poor family mm. or help pay for the uh, the you know apartment or of, of another poor you know, family. You know what that reminds me of what? is uh, the debate right now about uh, Biden talking about whether he's going to forgive student loans or you know what he might do about that. Is that we sent? I don't know uh, what was the latest package that they approved for Ukraine. I think it. I want to say it was like thirty three billion dollars, but I'm not sure that. Billion with a B sounds kind of a lot like a lot now, but, but I don't know. It po- probably is. The po- point is, I saw I saw a, a meme on Twitter that said, um, "If we can send taxpayer money to other countries, it means that we're being taxed more than we should be." Fuck and I'm man. like, "Yeah, absolutely." And yet we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine and many other places. And I'm just thinking, like, well, that money could have been used to forgive student loans. Instead, it's going to yeah. Ukraine. You know, it's like, Jesus, man. And I'm not even necessarily, and I know you're not either, suggesting that we should use taxpayer money to forgive student loans. No. Um, But I would be more okay with that than I am with sending That's the point I'm making. That's the point I'm making. And I have student loans, and I I don't think it's an economically good idea to, to forgive student loans. Um, but if they were to do it, I, you know, and if it benefited me, I, I'm, I'm sure I would be I don't pleased. Give a fuck. Yeah. Like if they did that, I would be, I, I, again, I don't support it. I don't think I would, if it was an issue, I wouldn't vote for it to happen. I don't Neither think. would I. Neither would but, I. But, yeah. um, I'm also not going to get mad about it. Like they're doing so much other stuff that I am mad about it that I'm not, I'm not troubled about yeah. student loan forgiveness. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's, I think the whole student loan model is like super fucked up. If somebody... If a kid who is 17 years old applied for, like, I don't know, 
a two hundred thousand dollar loan for any other purpose, they would the, the bank would laugh their asses yeah. off at what, them. What's your job history? How much <laughs> do you make? What do you have in your savings account? No way. Yeah, exactly. Oh wait, wait, you can spend the money on oh, school? Yeah. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I just like I said, I'm not troubled about that if that's the thing they're mm. doing. Although, I, I do wonder. You know, there's this bucket. There's like a five-gallon bucket, you know, and um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some kind of an analogy. But anyways, there's this bucket, and it's like to the brim, and there are just drips going in. And it's going to take a while, but eventually it's going to overflow, you know. And maybe there's like some kind of lie or something, and everything's going to burn down. If it <laughs> okay, does, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and I just think that eventually that, you know, maybe that's the drip that drips the drips it over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But so listen, I uh, we got two uh, two things I want to try to squeeze in. I, I think I might need to go to the bathroom. I was just thinking that myself. All right, um, we well, gotta get we gotta have like a hand signal so we don't have to have that in there. Let's just do. Let's I don't just want people thinking about me peeing. You know. Let's just do five more minutes. Okay, hold it for five more minutes. All right. All right. So I was listening to I think a podcast episode. I think it was I can't remember who it was now. Maybe it was a Jordan Peterson podcast. Anyway, uh, somebody said something that I never heard before, and it. Blew my mind, and it's something I, need, I want to think about more. But I was going to run it by you. You know how, you know how Einstein, when he came up with um, E equals mc squared to explain the relationship between energy and and mass. Um, I, I like playing with that idea be, from a metaphysical perspective because what what Einstein proved is that energy is equivalent to matter. Energy and matter are not different things, and it's weird because we we think of them to be different. Um, and so there's some in, there's some interesting met, metaphysical ideas there. Well, then I learned that there's another formula in physics that equates mass with frequency. It's called there's a guy named uh, Louis de, de I don't know how to pronounce the guy's last name B R O G L I E, and it's it's m c squared equals h v apparently, and okay. that and that, that that means that the same type of relationship that Einstein talked about between energy and matter exists between frequency and matter. So matter is energy, but it's also frequency. It's also like a wave, like the, like a wavelength and, and so forth. And you know how we talk, a lot of times we talk about that, like the whatever is behind our objective reality being this uh, ones and zeros from the matrix or this field of potential or whatever. And it's to me, that's what it seems like. It seems like some sort of vibrating field of potential uh, potential or yeah. probability or whatever it's some sort of wave and that that is also equivalent to matter you know and it's like part of that it's part of that mystery in physics about the particle and wave duality of things you know yeah, yeah. are things a particle are they a wave matter is a, is energy and it's a wave it's just really interesting man I, I never heard of that me either it's crazy yeah. where'd you hear about it I think it was on a podcast yeah pretty naturally. sure yeah I just wrote it down you know um, so I'm going to have to do some more thinking about that and figure out what it means uh, if I can put a hippie spin on it, but it sounds really cool. Oh, man. you'll be able to put a hippie spin on that <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> All right. Lastly. Lastly. Documentary I watched on Amazon the other day. It was called Let There Be Light. And it was about Jesus, the history oh. of, of scientists working on fusion. Okay. And it was fucking 
baffling, man. What'd, what'd you watch it on? What's the service? It was on Amazon. Okay. And it was one, a free a free one on Amazon. Nice. Let there be a light. And so you, I don't know if you know the difference, but uh, fission, fission and fusion, right? Mm-hmm. So what makes a nuclear reactor work and what makes a nuclear bomb work is fission. It's, I think, I think I, maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but I think it's splitting the atom. When you split it, it releases energy. Yeah. Well, what they're trying to do is is fusion, which is what happens in the sun. So yeah. instead of splitting the atom, you're going to put two together, right? You're going to combine. When you put two together, when you smash them together, helium becomes hydrogen, or hydrogen becomes helium, one or the other. I can't remember. Uh, one of them has got one, and uh, uh, one of them has got two um, atoms. Anyway, that's what they're trying to figure out how to do, what happens in the sun. And they said that the sun has two things going on. It has a whole bunch of gravity, which smashes down the plasma that... that you know the sun is made of and it also has the forces of all the electron all the whatever the quantum shit going on um and it's like it's like a um electromagnetic thing so what they're trying to do on earth is make a small version a small little sun that we can then use for energy yeah so all, all we can figure out how to how to do fusion what we're going to end up doing is having a teeny sun that you can hold in your hand that's inside of this giant machine and we can just use all that energy and the way it was described in the documentary is that one liter of seawater in a in a reactor like this would produce more energy than 370 uh, barrels of petroleum of oil so you basically have enough energy for the entire world for billions of years with no um, toxic, uh, like toxic waste, like you get from a from a, a fission fission reactor, like you know, Eight Mile Island or Chernobyl. Yeah. This would be clean. It would use water, and it would be so more efficient than any energy source you can think of. That if we could crack it, if we could figure out how to do it, it would it would be completely revolutionary. Yeah, and it doesn't have the danger of a meltdown the way that a, the way that our reactors do now. It's got to have know? some kind of danger. This is what, listen, I don't know, but this is what the documentary said. And a couple of interesting things. The idea came from this soldier in Russia in like the 20s or 30s. And he had this like vision and he, and he wrote it in a paper and he sent it to, he sent it to um, Stalin. And Stalin was intrigued, so he brings his scientists in. And his scientists say, well, this is a really interesting idea. It would never work this way, yeah. but I can make it work. So it was this some random nobody soldier without an education who pr- provided this idea of a reactor. And the Russian scientists uh, f- took the idea from them and ran with it. And they built this thing called a tokamak. Okay. I could go into this history with you. It's really interesting. But the thing is, um, we started working on it in the 30s. Yeah. And it's so, it has so much potential that the whole world decided we should fund this together. So the United States and a whole bunch of European countries decided we have to make, we have to build one of these things, oh, like a life-size version, not a little model. We got to build this and see if it can work. Apparently, we've been doing that since the '70s in France, in the southern France. We've been building this fi- uh, fusion reactor, and it keeps running out of money. Yeah. You know, and I think they said the United States pays like six billion dollars a year and the rest of the european countries another six billion dollars a year and they've been doing it since the 70s year after year after year after year we pulled out of it in the 90s we're like we're spending too much money on it then eventually we went back in because we didn't want to miss out yeah we're spending tons of money 
the whole world, you know, mo mostly these European countries and us, to build this reactor in France, this one prototype. Huh. And they were talking about, they were showing the process of building just the magnet for this thing. And it took years, years to build this magnet. And they were showing you how they did it, how precise it is. It is the most crazy shit. I'm going to have to watch that. These physicists were saying that what they were doing is like what the medieval... Uh, um, uh, stonemasons who were building those great cathedrals and they knew it was going to take 200 years to build and they were never going to see it built but they had to dedicate their whole life to it that's the way these physicists were talking like we're building this thing that's going to take 100 years to build and we're never going to see it end and we're going to dedicate our whole lives to it but yeah. it's going to be that worth it it's going to be this miraculous thing when it's done it's awesome. I didn't know any of this shit man I, it was amazing man I'm going to check that out for sure let there be light let there yeah, be light, let there be light. Got anything else? Nope. All right. Well, we're we're at one one hour forty five. So, all right, you guys. Thanks for paying attention to our mad ramblings. Yes, I indeed. I really enjoyed this, man. I like I said right before we started, I was a little bit down the last couple of days, and uh, I feel I was feeling better today, probably because I got some good sleep last night. But having this conversation, I just I just had a good time with you. Yeah, this it was day. A good yeah one. thanks, man. Yep. All right, love you, buddy. Love you, everybody. See you. See you next time. Peace. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.